Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Ayers, is unable to make it today, and that is a big, big, uh, you know, thing on him because we have an outstanding guest coming up for you today, none other than mega-author Dean Koontz, of course, uh, you all know him for all of his work, you know, The Watcher's Phantom, Bad Place in the Back, and then now the newer stuff that he has put out with Betrayed and a lot of the other things that he's done now with Amazon. He's going to be talking to us about his current book, The Other Emily, which is coming out on March 23rd, or whatever format you want to buy it on, it's going to be available. want to make sure that all of you know that our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And don't forget our anthology, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, with Jeffrey Deaver, along with Linwood Barkley, Reese Bowen, Hank Philly P. Ryan, and so many others. You want to check out that. Again, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. But without any further ado, we want to welcome, of course, Dean Coots back to the show. So, Dean, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us again. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm healthy. I'm, uh, I'm happy. So I have no complaints. There's nothing you can change in my life that would make it better. That is the trifecta, isn't it? Safe, happy, yeah. healthy, you got it all. That, that is beautiful. And, uh, you know, going with over your book here, of course, The Other Emily, um, which comes out on March 23rd, this is, a, uh, another, this is a standalone, so it's kind of out of the series that you did with, um, uh, with Elsewhere and some of the other books that you had. I know you did that six short story series with Amazon, and uh, you had Betrayed and some other things, and now – we're kind of back into a book where you you do a lot of emotional things in this one. I think um, you really take <laughs> you know the poor you really take the poor guy um, you know David on a journey on this one. So give us a little bit about what you got going on with this one. Uh, well, it's uh, uh, I the idea for this came when I thought uh, uh, what if. Uh, you, you know, you never know where ideas come from uh, or why they come to you, but they do. And I thought it would be interesting if some guy had known the love of his life. They were both 25 when suddenly she disappeared on a night in a rainstorm. Her car was found, and she's always been assumed to have been the victim of the serial cutter named Ronnie Lee Jessup. And our hero, uh, David, is somebody who's racked with guilt and grief 10 years later because he should have been with her that night. And he wasn't, and why is uh, something we actually get revealed at some point. And he's sort of eaten up. And I thought, uh, interesting to do a story where somebody thinks somebody's been lost for 10 years. And one night he goes into a restaurant bar, and there she is sitting at the bar. Except when he sits down beside her and says, where have you been? Uh, he realizes she hasn't aged a day. And that was where the story started. And then I thought, okay, that's great, but where the hell do you go for, with this? And mm-hmm. it turned into one of those things that as you're writing, it gets twistier and twistier. And I had a great deal of fun with it. And fortunately figured out pretty early on where it had to go. It's a little bit of a genre mashup. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm hopeful people like it. I I'm always doing change ups, as you know. So this one was right. a real change up, and uh, it's very emotional in many ways. Partly as I was getting into it, I realized uh, really what I'm doing is uh, uh, a sort of modern version of the Orpheus legend, where Orpheus loses his love and goes to Hades to get her back. 
and uh, our hero doesn't actually go into hell, but he goes to someplace in our world that's pretty close to it, and uh, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yes, I mean, the, the, the emotional strands that run through this, I, I know, with David, and first of all, Ronnie Lee Jessup is just a fabulous name for a serial killer. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, what else could Ronnie Lee Jessup be? I guess, right, when you see that name yeah. in the book. It's got to be a serial killer. Yeah, um, I'm, sh- yeah, I'm sure his, his people looked askance at his parents when they named him. <laughs> yeah. But the emotional strain that you kind of have running throughout this, how difficult was that to just kind of keep that tension always building? Because like you said, there's, there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a part in the book where you reveal kind of why David wasn't with Emily, and, and you feel, and then you kind of get the sense that he's dealing with so much guilt uh, and just so much sadness in his life, and then all of a sudden, boom, decade later, this person shows up, and all chaos then brews. So what was, what was your challenge with keeping that emotional kind of strand high and tensioned all the way through the book? Well, you know, it's not the kind of book where you have a run, jump, shoot a lot. It gets no. some, into some pretty dark, scary places, but uh, it's a different kind of momentum. So you're right to say, how is that maintained? And in part, I would say only it has to come out of character in something like this. He becomes obsessed with this woman. Who is she? Sort of the sales line I threw out to them was, um, uh, if she never died, where was she? And if if she died, what is she now? Uh, and she toys with him. Uh, and we know almost immediately that if she isn't Emily, by God, she knows everything about Emily. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that thing with his obsession, which leads him into increasingly dark places, uh, and her toying with him. Uh, for instance, on their first date, after he sees her in the bar and mm-hmm. talks with her a while, he asks her to dinner, and she accepts. And that night, as they're talking, he says, what are you doing here? She's here in Orange County, where I live, but she supposedly lives in Santa Barbara. He asks what she's doing here, and she says, I'm an assassin on a job. And he takes it to be playing with him, except maybe this is actually who she is. Uh, but that doesn't explain where she's been and all the rest of it. And uh, And so between his obsession and her bringing him along and you get at moments the feeling that this is almost a black widow situation um, that she's drawing him into something here that is even more uh, spooky than what he's exploring on his own which is the serial killer and how he operated and Ronnie Lee Jessup killed a lot of women and acknowledged them when he was caught but he's always said they're like I forget what it is 14 that they, they don't know who they are and he has put them somewhere. He brags that he has, he has preserved them and he can reanimate them. And when he escapes from prison or gets out by one way or another, uh, he knows where his next series of girls are. He doesn't have to go kill anymore. And this is so bizarre, but you begin to wonder if there's something in what he's saying. With those three things, there's a kind of natural building momentum around these characters and, uh, and uh, it, it was just kind of fun to explore a series or a story like this. At what point did the characters kind of start taking over the writing for you and kind of making it more of their own story in this one? Well, I think David came alive to me pretty quickly in it. Uh, and she came alive. My first concept of her was, and I think it 
it, it sort of feels that way in the book that when you walk when he walks in the bar and sees her and we see her and the way she is with him the banter between it reminded me of Audrey Hepburn now I know a lot of uh, oh. our readers don't remember who I <laughs> but the younger ones but that she was so striking and could play that kind of uh, flirtatious role uh, so engagingly uh, and then I wanted to begin her that way and then bring her into an increasing darkness where you saw this darkness within her. And where she really take up over the story is as the teasing becomes a little more serious and the flirtationness in her storytelling and it turns into lies, uh, then that's when the story and the relationship between the two of them really leaped up. I think Ronnie Lee Jessup came to me almost instantly. I, it's mm-hmm. funny. I've, I've written so many sociopaths, not all of them. You have. <laughs> but, but a friend of mine who is a writer only of nonfiction, uh, oh. and he I always get uh, my, uh, my proofs to him because he wants to see it improve. And he was about halfway through the book, and he called me up one night and said, oh, my God, this is the creepiest character you've ever written. And I said, that's really saying something, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I, I would agree he could be top five. He definitely could be a top five creepy character. Yeah, he's, he's different because he's sort of this, he's really this big teddy bear of a guy that you don't really think of as a serial killer. But, uh, and then he is he's a sentimentalist on top of all the rest of it. So it's, it's just a weird combination of things. Though in my research, I found a couple of people like this, so it wasn't entirely an invention. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of journeys, how has your journey been? Because this is now what your fourth, I think, full-length novel with Amazon at this point, since you left your last publisher and you kind of moved over to them. It's uh, three published. I'm finishing up three. the fourth, and. Uh, and I've also, for Amazon Original Stories, done six more nameless novelettes. Right, the nameless uh, novels. And uh, those have done, uh, I think we're heading toward three million downloads of the first series. And uh, and I had a lot of fun with the second, though this wraps it up. This cake takes him to the end of his journey. And uh, I have to say I'm having, I'm re-energized. Uh, I, I'm, uh, certain things happen I was not expecting. Um I was not expecting an Amazon imprint like Thomas and Mercer uh, to solve some of the problems I was frustrated with at New York Publishers. Partly that was jacket art, which I felt had fallen through the floor, except for a rare exception here and there, and was just by the numbers. And then I was upset at production qualities. I was seeing books that split open when you open them to oh. read them. Spine's not well made. I had a big problem with Ashley Bell that way. And uh, and just not the production level. As being a fanatical collector, I'm kind of aware of that books used to be a lot better made than they are these days. I agree. Then I, when I went to uh, uh, Thomas and Mercer, suddenly I'm getting covers that I don't disapprove of, that I look at and say, wow. Uh, and uh, I thought the Elsewhere cover was a knockout, and this one is amazing. It carries forward that real spookiness of the storyline, but also that element of the love story that by mixing in these calla lilies into all these tangled dark roots on the cover. And uh, then the fact that they 
when you take the jacket off, they've got these interesting designs on the boards, uh, which is mm-hmm. an extra expense. It's extremely well bound. Uh, they do nice part designs and everything. And it's just been, it's kind of, as a collector, it's very exciting for me to see this kind of care going into the additions. And I found uh, uh, great enthusiasm and uh, creativity and and just altogether it's been a rebirth. And so I keep trying to, you know, I've had problems in the past. Uh, uh, finally, I, it was less and less of a problem, but it never went away, this mixing of genres uh, that I do from time to time. And I think I've managed to do that in uh, all three of the first ones right. with uh, with them, and there hasn't been a peep about it. They, they, it's I get good editorial and copy editing feedback, and so everything at the moment is, you know, you always say wrap on wood. It's, uh, it's publishing is a strange business, but mm-hmm. uh, but now with the fourth one I'm doing for them, I've I've tried to bring that mix of humor and tension and darkness that I've done in, uh, say, the first Odd Thomas or in Life Expectancy. And I haven't mm-hmm. delivered it yet, so I could fall flat on my face. But again, <laughs> it's, a little, it. it's a little bit of a change-up from what I've done for them. So so we'll see how this goes. But so far, uh, everything's moving along really well. I'm very pleased with it. Nice. They haven't pressured you to maybe try to start a series like an Odd Thomas, something new? The, the, the stand, I mean, the standalones. I mean, I love, I love my stand. I'm a standalone person. I love the standalone books. But so now with everybody wanting series out there, sometimes authors are getting, I think, pushed into doing series when I think things aren't really shouldn't be series, I guess you want to say. I just didn't know if you were kind of feeling that at all. It's... Um, uh, I haven't felt any pressure that way. Uh, One of the problems with me in series, and I recognize it, is uh, there's two ways to do a series. Uh, And I'll I'll use film as an example. You can Mm -hmm. do a series as they would do a streaming show, which means you just let it go and be what it becomes. Or you can do it as a network show, which has to be case of the week. And it's sort of the same way in a series. When I've done a series the Jane Hawk or the Frankenstein or the uh, Odd Thomas, they, each book sort of stands on its own. It does, but there's an overgoing arc. Um, and uh, some readers don't like that. They want no overgoing arc. They want the same character doing the, another case. And I get feedback saying, well, I came into Jane Hawk at number three, and I didn't realize you, you should read them one through five. And you can read them in any order, but I do understand what they say. Uh, And it's just the way I do series. I can't do that, you know, everyone in the series complete to itself. I have to have that sort of overriding arc that the character is following. And so maybe I'm not the guy to write series. I don't know. Plus, you know, I'm at I'm an advanced age, so don't get into a series if you think I might not be here for 15 books. So. Well, and that's the thing about like your series, though, because you kind of had hard endings. You were kind of like, this is I, I'm only doing five books, I'm only doing four books, or whatever the number is. It was never like an ongoing thing. So I didn't know if maybe you had like a trilogy in you or something to that effect. Maybe that would be kind of cool, but. I, you know, know, I don't rule it out. It, it would totally depend on the character, and that's really what's driven the ones I've done. Jane Hawk was, you know, the character came to me first, and same with right. Thomas. 
So, uh, so that I wouldn't rule it out, but right now I'm sort of in standalones. So. Okay. Now, what is one of the number one things when you do get emailed? And now I see you on Twitter quite a bit, and I see you do doing a lot of, of, of tweeting out there, so I think you're doing a little bit more social media than in the past. So what is the one thing that, that you said you hear from fans? But do they talk about, of course, like Watchers and Phantoms and Bad Place and Shattered and, you know, Lightning and, and those kinds of things? Do, what's the one you always get, like, the most of that people want to know about? Um. Well, there's there's been such a variety of books. I mean, we're we're looking at, we're dealing with a couple of different producers at the moment, or looking at multiple things each. And it's funny they both are attracted to different things. I'm doing. One's attracted to to these hard suspense sort of things like Velocity and right. uh, the husband, and others the other with more of the uh, things that have more humor in them and uh, and uh, different kinds of uh, stories from that kind, and uh, so I find that interesting. So I get different kinds of readers, and there's readers that the number one book will always be Watchers. Uh, Watchers. Uh, and uh, then readers that the number one thing will always be the Odd Thomas, which uh, okay. continues to get. I get pushed to do one more Odd Thomas, and uh, I'd, I'd have to do that. Well, if you know where this series goes, I'd have to do it Odd Thomas on the other side, which right. I contemplated for a while because of the way that works. But um, and then the others, you know, people have different books have different fans. It's hard to bend down anyone thinks. There's just different groups uh, that like different things, and fortunately, I cover a number of different things. Because I'm trying to figure out why Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime doesn't have like the Dean Koontz channel. I, it, it, you have, I mean, what, 50 or so books. I mean, so many great stories and characters that people could uh, put to the screen and, and have out there again. I'm just wondering why you don't have the Dean Koontz channel yet. Uh, why hasn't somebody gotten smart? <laughs> Well, uh, there are. I can't talk about them, but there are some things brewing right now. Oh, and, uh, there it so, is. Yeah, I, I mean, there ha there's so many streaming platforms. You have to be recognized out there. I, I mean, you're one of the top two behind you and Stephen King. Are I always say are one A and one B um, when it comes to my generation, I think, of authors. And I've always wondered, you know, why haven't you been more predominant in that world like like Stephen has? Well, first of all, I think there's basically two reasons. One, bad agenting. And I have oh, stories okay. to tell that would go on for hours, which I'll save if I ever tell them. I'll tell them in a, in a kind of memoir form. Uh, uh, but uh, various things just got so screwed up because the agents connected me with the wrong people, didn't understand what they were actually representing. Uh, I now have much, much better representation. The other thing is uh, what's the problem has been in my books when they're adapted to a two-hour movie or a four-hour miniseries. Uh, my books tend to be very packed with event, uh, and that makes it necessary to cut a lot. Uh, and as a consequence, if, if, if it's a book where you need to cut 40% of it or half of it, you can do that. But if it's a book where you've got to cut 80% of it, a lot of people have trouble trying to figure out how to do that. What the world has brought us to, I'm beginning to think, 
is a format that is ideal for me, and that is the streaming kind of thing, where a book is developed in eight or ten episodes instead of two hours. And uh, that's really what all the things we're in negotiations now about, is that format. And that's pretty exciting, uh, because I, I think that in the conversations I'm having with people about it, that's the thing they bring up, that there's so much material in this novel and that novel that we can easily get eight or ten episodes. And it's possible also to take it further from there uh, in, in that the, uh, the the world has been established here. Now it's, it's where does it go from here? So we'll see. I, you know, I haven't had a lot of luck in that field, but I'm beginning to think it's because finally the, the medium has come around to the kind of thing I do. And that is uh, something that just wasn't there before. Well, I could definitely see the other Emily in an 8 to 10 series uh, without a doubt. Because, and I agree, putting this in two hours would definitely be a constraint because you have to read the book to get the full sense of everything that's going on. So I think 8 to 10 episodes would be a great format to tell this in. I guess if you want to do eight one-hour episodes, eight to ten hours would be a great thing to be able to do this book in, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I have quite a lot of them, and uh, in the various cases we're working with, they've identified as many, uh, usually three books they would like to uh, lock in. So I don't know. We'll see if it all happens or not. I won't talk about it any further because I'll jinx it all. Uh, <laughs> don't want to get you in trouble, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, it's good to know, you know what, but it's good to know that there is maybe something on the horizon for your fans uh, to be able to kind of see and uh, uh, and have that because that's the one thing I guess you want to say that is just kind of missing from everything and is just that is just that on-screen presence. That's just the only thing. Because the stories are, I mean, they're going to be timeless. I mean, people are going to read these 150, 200 years from now and look back and just know that they're timeless stories. Because your character-driven stories are just so wonderful because you know how to write characters. And that's the thing that always continues to go. And that's the great thing. Well, I should say we also have closed the deal on Devoted. and uh, Oh, that'll be a good one. Yeah, that is for TV. And and that... I would think has the potential to be more than uh, uh, one eight to ten episode. It has places to go after the book, so we'll see. Yeah. But that one we have closed on. So yeah. Well, now I kind of mentioned a little bit at the beginning that you were doing a little bit more social media and a little bit more tweeting um, out there. So is that something that you're going to uh, keep up and continue doing? Because I know social media is the one place that you know you don't do a lot of, which I don't blame you. Social media is just way out there, but. Is that something that you're going to continue doing probably more? Yeah, it, it again is because of Amazon. They, they, they marry it with a picture, you know, some image, and they send them to me and say, here's a date, here's a date, here's a date. Maybe you could give a tweet about this. Or... And then it's, that, that makes it easier for me. Uh, they don't tell me what to say. Uh, and I'm having kind of fun with it because I, I can do some pretty funny little uh, things in this, some posts, and also I've been writing the newsletter, the e-newsletter every month, yeah. and I've been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, so it's, uh, I think the March one will be coming out shortly. And it, what that. they've done is made it easy for me to do this. 
so they send me this and I spend an hour or so and get it done, send them, here it is for this month. And I, and it's kind of fun. Uh, we were for a while answering things on Facebook and Twitter, but I've been so overwhelmed in the move we had to pull that back and just do straight posts. And eventually I'll go back to answering some questions and things like that that people right. So DeanKoontz.com is the best place for everyone to find out, of course, about all of your information and everything is updated on, on your site, right? Yeah, and it's been totally redone. It's it has. Gorgeous. I think it's – I love how – I love how – and that happened when um, when Nameless came out is when that whole thing kind of got well, redone. Well, actually, they, they redid it again and much better. And it just went up this – I think it just went up the end of last okay. week. I haven't seen it. Oh, there, I'm on it right now. Oh, that is very nice. Yeah, and it's very easy to navigate, and it's just really terrific. So, yeah, that's uh, it turned it all over to Amazon, and they're doing a great job with it. Might as well just do that. Well, i got to tell you, Dean, you know, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. We always love Thank having you, you on. Um, wish you nothing but the best. The Other Emily, everybody, is the book. comes out on March the 23rd, so when you hear this interview, you'll be able to buy it in whatever format you uh, wanted it. Have you heard the audio book yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, it's, uh, I'll probably get, get it very shortly. They send me some hard copies. But, uh, but that will drop the same day, correct, I think? Yes. Yes, it yeah, will. so yeah. all the formats are be available on March 23rd. Well, Dean, hey, you stay safe and stay healthy, please. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get together soon and maybe have lunch or something again when we can all do that again. Um, <laughs> that would be wonderful. And, again, we wish you nothing but the best. Love the book. Can't wait to see what the next one is coming out. And please uh, stay safe and healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Same to you. Take care. Always great. All right. Bye-bye.